0: Okay, let's do this. Welcome to episode 21 of Out on the Paddock. My name is Rob Marshall and the WA Country Cricket Board is really pleased to bring you this podcast on a monthly basis to let you know all the happenings of the ins and the outs of WA Country Cricket, past, present and future. Please give us a rating in your app if you are enjoying the show. This helps us in many ways to keep the show going and spreading. There is no bigger gig in WA Country Cricket than the WA Country 11 for both males and females. WA Country Cricket prides itself on giving opportunity to regional cricketers to remain exactly that, in the regions and to be given recognition for their performances at country level, by getting to wear the black and the gold of WA Country. This extends these days right from WA Country Colts through to now, WA Country Masters and Veterans Representative Teams. After many years at the helm of the WA Country 11 men's team, overseeing firstly a rebuild of the team that had had some mediocre results in the mid-2010s, culminating in some stunning performances and results in the past five or six years at the Australian Country Cricket Championships, including an an ACCC title-winning team in Shepparton in 2018. WA Country 11 coach Tim Edmonds announced earlier this year that he was stepping down from the role. Today's episode of Out on the Paddock focuses on the newly announced coach of the WA Country 11 men's team taking over from Tim, Sean Gillies. I'd strongly encourage you to stick around and have a listen to Sean's incredible story of his own incredible career. That included the challenges of coming to WA from Jamaica as a young boy and finding his way into the cricket scene in Perth via eventually the Melville Cricket Club and his somewhat rapid rise and unexpected rise to representing WA for several years at the highest level and the lessons learned through that experience. We also hear of his experiences playing cricket in Hong Kong of all places and even Swedish cricket gets a run in this episode. Sean also outlines his move into WA Country Cricket and how that has played out over recent years, and most importantly, how this has seen his move into coaching and his ultimate challenges ahead as the new coach of the WA Country 11. It's over to you, Sean. Let's hear his amazing story and journey. Sean Gillies, great to have you on the podcast Thank you. It's good to be here, mate. Uh, there is so much I want to unpack. There's so many things that uh, I'm really excited to to unpack with you, and we've got lots that we'll circle back to eventually. But, mate, coach of the WA Country 11, has it sunk in yet? How, how does how do, does it have a good ring to it? How does it feel? It,
1: it has a great ring to it. Um, it feels pretty good at the moment. Um, so yeah, I'm just looking forward to. Get started um, and get around to all the players, uh, contact them and be talking to them and and seeing what their thoughts are for their for their season ahead. Because um, obviously they're scattered around. So yeah, um, yeah, just looking forward to get into it. To be honest,
0: like I say, we've got so much that I want to unpack about your journey to, to where you are now. Your cricket, obviously, and and so many other things. But just just. From the get-go, just for our listeners who are tuning in, which are mostly cricketers from around regional WA, and obviously those that, uh, in some cases, you may end up coaching. What, what do you want to just share a little bit of your coaching journey today, where where it's sort of come to, and and maybe even some thoughts or your approach to coaching? Yeah.
1: Uh, so, coaching-wise, um, I've been coaching cricket probably since I was about 18, 19, just. Yeah, just for some some work back in the day, it did um, quite a bit at Melville when I was there as a player, looking after the junior. We started kind of like a junior academy there and doing some work through the winter. Towards the end of my playing career at Melville, and then had a, had quite a bit of uh, quite a long break from cricket. And when I came back to Australia, um, I wasn't quite ready to kind of get back in. But then I just thought, okay, we've got to get back into cricket um, and I think it was about 2000, probably just before, just after COVID, it would have been, um, kind of approached uh, Matt Arrowsmith from yep. Maris um, to, to see if I could come down and help out. Yeah. Um, and then from there it kind of just spiralled really yep. into, okay, I'm um, doing some work with the CDP yep. um, and then from CDP, um, talking to WA cricket um, and doing work with them, yep. and from there, basically just kept building, kept building throughout the well, to last three summers um, to where it is now. Now, yeah, say,
0: uh, look yeah. at look at you now. And like I say, I mean, from from a country cricket perspective in Western Australia, there's no higher position than the coach of the WA country yeah. eleven. So pretty. Amazing journey for for those tuning in. If you're wondering, the CDP is the the cricket development program for the Southwest, which has been a uh, I guess a performance program, a high performance program that uh, Cricket Southwest has developed some time ago, and and you played a pretty or a very heavy role in that over the last year or two, um, which uh, had some significant results. So, are you feeling? Uh, Excited, nervous, up
1: and about, how about this new, um, new position? Yeah, a little bit nervous to be honest. Yeah. It's um it's quite a I suppose a, you, you can feel the pressure already kind of building <laughs> performance wise. Um obviously the team didn't win last year, yeah. Um but won twenty twenty, wasn't it? Yeah, back in Shepparton.
0: yeah uh, a little bit earlier than that so, I reckon. Yeah. So
1: there's a little bit of pressure to, to I suppose bring back the, the trophy. Um yep. But I'm probably most excited to work with the those those guys in the Colts who are just about to get into that side. So I think yeah. um, I've seen those guys over the last couple of years, and, and it feels like they're ready to take that step. Yeah. Um, and if we have an opportunity to give them a, a chance, then um, yeah, I'd love to be around to, to see that um, development.
0: Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll come back to this. We'll yep. come back to the the coaching bit, but. Uh, Seriously, congratulations on behalf of, of WA Country Cricket. Like I say, our Country 11 programs for both our men's and women and our WA Country Colts programs are the pinnacle of, of WA Country Cricket. So for those of us who uh, get to, to play some administration role in that, that, this is a huge coup for us to have you on board and... Um, you know no pressure some big shoes to follow in the form of Tim Edmonds who's done a fantastic yep. job and we'll come back to Tim a, a bit in a moment but let let's go let's go back a bit and tell let, get, let's uh, find out a little bit about Sean Gillies and who is Sean Gillies uh, number one cab off the rank not uh, born here in in, in Australia um, Jamaican tell us about Jamaica
1: yeah so born there uh, I think mum met. My stepdad, uh, he was—he's an engineer. Work was working over there. Met him, and then his next job was in Perth, and um, wow. kind of put it to her: to, "Do you want to come with me?" And the answer was yes. So you know, I was only three, going on four at the time, and um, so I—I was kind of like packed along with her <laughs> and um, in the suitcase, and off I went. So um, yeah, grew up in in Perth, and. Uh, yeah, from Jamaica, all the way from Jamaica. Do you have any memories of of Jamaica? trees oh, yeah. At uh, a, yeah, a young we, age, I've been back there. Yeah, you know, quite a few times now, and over, the, especially when I was younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my grandparents still live there um, to this day. Wow. Um, and I'm, I think I've got one of my one of my uncles lives there. Um, moved back from uh, from the states, living in the states. Moved back there to be with grandma, and I think one of my aunties. He's about to move back there now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, I've taken my kids to Jamaica as well to see their grandparents. So, yeah, still plenty of memories there and, and the family floating around. So
0: born in the – we won't we won't go too deep into yeah. age and stuff like that, but born in the uh, the 80s. Yep. No bigger power in world cricket than the West Indies at that time. Yeah. So a bit of inspiration from those guys, I'm guessing, growing up. Oh,
1: huge. Um, it was actually my neighbour – who took me to the Wacker for the first time Um, and they were playing and um, just to see them um, go about their business, smile on their face, having fun, it was just, yeah, just inspiring. I think all through my Junior days when you're know, playing backyard cricket with your mates, I was West Indies, they were Australia. You know, I was Kirtley Ambrose and Brian Lara, and, you know, they were whoever they wanted to be. but
0: um, And not yeah. as good as those two, just quietly, but whatever yeah. they were.
1: Be regard worry. did get Kirt, um, Lara out a couple of times, but in the backyard. But um, yeah, that was always the case, and yeah, loved it.
0: Do you have an affinity still to Jamaica, obviously? You know, you've spent most of your life growing up in Australia and in particular Western Australia. Yeah. Or I have noted you spent a bit of time in Queensland as well. But um, do you sort of, where do you call home? It's an interesting question, you know, when I ask people yeah. that. You know, most usually I'm going, you know, do you call home Harvey or something like that? But in your case, it's a whole different country. Is is home Western Australia for you or,
1: um,
0: or do you have that Jamaican connection? I, I would think obviously.
1: Yeah, it's 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 hard because when you go back there, you don't know anyone. Like yeah. my, my brother, my older brother um, lives in New York, but when we go back there the last time with him, he still knows people there. I left at a stage where I didn't know. Oh, I was three, so... The people that know me, yep. I don't really know them. Yeah, but he knows kind of. He still knows people. Yeah. Um. So, I kind of and yeah, lived in in Sweden for a bit. Um. Obviously, went to the UK to play cricket as well. Yeah. And just travelled around um, to different places. So I, I don't really call anywhere home. Yeah. Like if I can play cricket and yeah. golf, I'll yeah. probably, that's home. <laughs> <laughs> wherever, wherever I'm playing cricket and, and, and playing golf. So uh,
0: so tell us about Sweden. I didn't know about Sweden. So what, what was the what was the gig yeah, in Sweden?
1: Um, after I kind of uh, got delisted, um, stuck around Western Australia for about a year, um, my ex-partner and I had, had my son and she was Swedish and we thought, oh, you know, no better time to give Sweden a uh, a go, and uh, so we went there, lived there for six years, and uh, yeah, it was pretty good. It yeah. was a bit cold, but yeah. at, at times. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, something that I probably that time there really cherish, being away from the game and yeah, um, being away from cricket, kind of just to process everything and um and then come back to come back here and kind of realise, yeah, it actually is something that is very dear to me um, yeah. and something I'm passionate about. So,
0: Yeah, I'm thinking well, there's, a, there's an emergence of a lot of uh, newer European teams. Obviously the Dutch, the Netherlands are doing really mm-hmm. well in on the national stage now and a few other countries are emerging. But I've I've got to say, I don't think Sweden's one of them somehow. Yeah, I think they're Tier 3. Are they? Uh, I right. think they're <laughs> still
1: Tier 3 or possibly Tier 2 um in amongst Italy and, yeah. and some of the, uh, Spain maybe, and some of the other European nations. So,
0: Yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine we'll probably see Sweden on the World Cup uh, scene in our time, but you never know. You just never know. I think uh, probably would have said that about uh, a few other countries a few yeah. years ago. But yeah. I think it's one of the things that I enjoy about um, cricket now is that, you know, we... we we hear the term, the world game for soccer. I think cricket is slowly getting there, watching the uh, recent launch of the American League, the T20 League. uh, I think that that once it gets into America, it could go
1: really crazy. It's pretty exciting because um, I think there's a lot of expatriates from different countries around the world um, that just love the game. Um, And I saw that in Sweden. I didn't play, but there's a lot of um, people from the subcontinent that love love the game, yeah, and and they they would play it wherever they could. So, so going back to
0: mum and dad, um, yep. and your and your stepdad, were were they cricket fans? Played cricket? No. no? But where, um, where did the love of cricket come from? Obviously, inspired by the yeah. West Indies, you said, um,
1: but I think my biological father, you know, enjoyed cricket, but um, wasn't really too much of a sportsman. Yeah, mum was, you know, athletic. She was. A gun. Yeah. Yeah. Stepdad didn't was, was a soccer player. Yeah. Pretty good soccer player, but couldn't get me to play soccer to save my life. Um, so cricket. Just I think my brother was uh, came over when I was about ten to visit, and um, we started playing in the backyard, and that's where it kind of started. And yeah, obviously going to the cricket and watching these guys play, and I think. That that was probably the, the, the start of it all. Yeah. Um, and then just junior cricket from the start, I was successful at that. So it was like, oh, wow, here's this thing that I'm pretty good at. And it's my like first time. Okay, let's keep going. Give it a crack. Yeah. yeah. So so tell me a little bit about that
0: junior cricket. Where was that? Melville um, right, right so from
1: the get-go? Or? Ardross Junior Cricket Club. Right, yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, fantastic. A lot of fun. Do you
0: remember your first
1: game? Yeah, first game was up that uh, on the highway there there was a um, in Melville on the on the Canning Highway, just I think where the public library is now. Yes, yeah. I know the um, one. Yep. Yeah, fifty in that. Yes. Fifty right. retired. Yep. Gotta
0: retire. I have a feeling that was um, back in the day that was Melville's home ground or one of them. Um, yeah. there was there was a ground there that I, I can remember my dad's pointing it out to me, saying that, you know, there was some significantly good wickets around that area. Yeah,
1: Tompkins Park. So yep. it was actually up the highway from Tompkins Correct. Park on top of the hill, yeah. So, yeah.
0: I know the one near yeah. the public library there, yeah. yeah. So when when did you first become
1: involved with Melville Cricket Club? Uh, would have been 13, under 13s, yep. I think. Yeah. Um, and just playing some uh, district cricket there and... Because on thirteens would have been about year seven, mm-hmm. I believe. But then under 15s we played uh, school cricket on a Saturday. Yep. But I got I did I got left out of that side anyway. <laughs> I didn't make that under fifteen district side. Yeah, went home in tears after that. Um, but uh, yeah, then under seventeens didn't get to play because we played school cricket Saturdays, Fridays afternoons, and Saturdays, and um, and then straight out of school it was grey cricket and
0: Colts. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Were there some people you look back now who started to, you know, influence your career at Melville and played a role in sort of getting you to affect yeah. eventually first class?
1: So Paul Terry, probably the biggest one at Melville. Um, he kind of saw something um, out of school and he was coach. I think we just won the club championship, so all the clubs, all all the grades together, and he was probably the one that said, oh, yeah, this kid's got some potential and we'll get him in um, and start playing. Uh, Before that, there was a guy at Ardross Junior Career Club, Len Dibbon, who just just loved the game and just taught me to play I won't say the right way, but just play with a smile on your face and, and really enjoy it, yeah. but also bring everyone along with you because um, obviously club cricket, you've got varying levels and um, yeah, we had some kids that probably weren't you know that great, but I remember one day in a final, we brought this kid along and he was part of the team and this kid took the best catch we have ever seen, one hander. And basically want us that, that grand final, taking take that catch. And just little things like that really stick with you. Yeah. Um, so Len Dibbon from a, from a club, from a community point of view, and then Paul Terry um, at Melville. And then when he left, it was Brad Thompson. Right, yep. Um, taking over and he kind of, I think he probably instilled that mental toughness side of it because... I was still happy to be there, smile on my face, doing well. But when Tomo came, it was, okay, mate, you're making 30 and it doesn't look like you're even trying. You need to get to 50, get to 100. Okay, how are you going to get there? All right, this is, this is how you do it and kind of building that platform.
0: So I guess... Thinking on those, you know, Len Dibbons, uh, Paul Terry, who was an uh, – I think he played some international cricket, didn't yep. he? Back in yep. the day, yeah. With, for England. For England, yeah, fair cricketer. And Brad Thompson, great cricketer as well. Do you think now that, you know, some of the things that they taught you have an influence in your coaching approach and your your thinking, especially, yeah. you know, I saw – I could see – the listeners can't see it, but I saw how you you lit up when you spoke about Len Dibbons oh, and, yeah. and how he – saw things in kids that maybe others didn't see, for example.
1: Yeah, because it's such a it's such a team game. Like you the way I kind of think of it is you're, you you're in this team where you as an individual have to perform at, at your at your peak or at your level. But then you have to trust everyone else in your side to perform at their level, at their best, yep. to be able to win yep. win anything whether it be the game or, uh, you know, a championship or whatever. And if you don't have the trust in them or the confidence in them, then that shows and that feeling kind of permeates around the team very easily. So you have to go in with it, with this attitude of, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust you to do mm. what you do. Mm. Um, and if I can help you do it, I'm going to help you do it, whether it be a training, have a word with you on the, on the ground. But... It's such a team game, but you, yeah, as I said, you're in this individual bubble when you bat and when you've got the ball in the hand, you're in this individual bubble, okay, what you need to do, but yeah, I need to trust everyone on the field to do their thing and I need to trust the other guy down the other end when I'm batting and
0: yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Somebody I spoke to the other day um, said to me that one of the reasons they didn't actually like cricket was because they felt it was just an individual selfish game. Mm. And I can kind of see where somebody who hasn't got a passion for cricket could see that yeah. and from the outside looking in. But I think those that have played, you know, and you've played much higher level cricket than me, you do learn after a while that whilst your own ability to, to be in that bubble and score runs and take wickets is important, without, without that team... You know, combining together, you're not going to win much at all at the end of the day. And certainly, the enjoyment comes when you understand the role you've played in a team. Now, the teams that I've played in, where we have had successes, I don't even really reflect a lot on my own personal performances. Mm. What sticks in my mind most is the camaraderie and and the and the enjoyment of seeing others in the team do something perhaps that they hadn't done before.
1: Well, I think. In my personal experience, there's probably two instances that really highlight that. Yeah. And I think the first, we won a grand final for Melville and I was lucky enough to be batting long enough to make 100 in that final, but I can't remember anything of that. Yeah. There's probably one moment I can remember remember, remember in that whole game. But then the following year we backed it up and I got a duck in the first innings and just to see we had two guys make big hundreds other guys make runs guys take wickets and just the after effects of that in the change room I was able to, to enjoy that much much more than the, the year before
0: the joy Yeah. Uh,
1: so seeing other guys succeed is one of those things in cricket you have to you have to embrace because you're not always going to make the runs you're not always going to take the wickets yeah. you might drop a catch but if someone else takes a screen or a run out you have to really, I suppose, lose that um, self-interest and, and, and gravitate towards celebrating others.
0: And it sounds to me like your early coach, Len, um, understood that, you know, celebrating a kid taking a catch, you know, when all the emphasis generally in cricket is always on have you scored a 50 or a 100 or yeah. have, you, have you taken a five far? Uh, didn't know the guy, Len, but he's, he's, he's high in my opinion straight up oh, because yeah. that's the sort of thing that makes the difference. It is, it, it's not about the individual, that selfishness that this friend of mine feels it's in cricket. I can understand why they think that or see that, but I think those that understand the game know that it is as much a team game as soccer or any yep. other sport that involves each person playing their role and doing their right thing. Let's let's talk about so obviously you you came through your junior years and, and did pretty well and maybe fifteens didn't work out, but by seventeens, nineteens you were starting to get noticed a bit and get no, <laughs>
1: no. no still not still not there um, at 19s? Or? I think I missed or I didn't get any um invitation to under seventeens, under nineteens wow. um anything like that. I kind of kind of flew under the radar there. Yep. Um Again, I was just happy to be there, enjoying my cricket um, and contributing wherever I could. I, I was... Did, you, I would say did I, you think
0: it was progressing? Did you feel your game progressing? I didn't, or I didn't
1: actually... I wasn't really too fast. I was just happy playing because yeah. as a kid, I was playing everything. Like, yeah. I, I was playing tennis on a Sunday, cricket <laughs> on a Saturday. During the winter, we had basketball, um, yeah, school footy. Yeah, if... If I could play it, I would I'd play it. Um, so I didn't really think I was missing out on anything because, yeah, um, yeah as I said, during cricket, I was also playing tennis down yep. at Apple Ross uh, Tennis Club and I wasn't bad there and, and I was going all right. Um, my sister's a better tennis player than me though, which is annoying. But, um, <laughs> Shout out to your sister. Yeah, she's a very good tennis player or was a very good tennis player. Yeah, so I didn't really think I was missing out on anything. Um, there were guys that I played cricket with that were in that pathway. Yeah. But my journey, I was always an all-rounder anyway, so
0: yeah.
1: I probably wasn't putting up huge scores and I wasn't taking a heap of wickets. So it wasn't like I kind of deserved that or thought I was missing out on that. I was just happy to be in the game all the time. Um, and it wasn't until probably 03, 04, I think, yeah, after that grand final, and then I went away to England again and made a heap of runs and then came back and had a really big year. Uh, one of my batting coach at the time said, uh, I think at the end of that year, said um, like, well, what, are your, what are your goals in cricket? Like, do you want to go to the next day? Or what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind okay, well, you probably need to start bowling and, and add a string to you, well, add that string back to your bow because um, I've been concentrating on batting basically since I left school and it was just batting. Um, add that back. Yep. And he knew Wayne Clark and um, gave me his number. So I called Wayne up and said, oh, I'd like to do some work on my bowling. All right, come down to training, Sean, and have a bowl and we'll have a look at you and blah, 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 and... That led to doing the pre-season, I think, with the the Warriors, and then I think later on that year, I think oh five oh six was, I was having still having a good year, and that's when they asked me to, to play in that um, against South Africa.
0: Yeah, we'll get we'll get to yeah. that in a minute. But you
1: yeah, yeah. missed out on everything from ni- 17s, to nineteen.
0: That that, that that is fascinating because you know there is this perception now, and it's not that long ago that you were going through that system, there's this perception now that if you're not in a pathway, you're not going to make it. But I argue there's still, you know, there's still opportunity at whatever oh, age. Oh, for sure. Uh, Lance Morris, to me, is a is a shining example yeah. of that. Um, you know, go back six or seven years ago, mm. no one knew who he was, and he was playing down here in the country, yep. down in Busselton. and I remember his dad saying to me, oh, my, my son's pretty good, Rob, have you yeah. checked him yeah. out? And I'm, no, I haven't actually, but... Um, he he's he's a great example. And I think there's a lot of maybe kids now, 16, 17, 18, who haven't necessarily been in pathways. It mm. could take great encouragement from what you're saying and, mm. and can still have that ideal that if I keep working, I may be able to do something yeah. here.
1: I think um, I always say to kids, like, you have up until well, probably not nowadays 25, but maybe 22 21 22 to kind of build on on your skills and and your results to the point where you might get noticed. Yeah. In other sports it's quite early. You need to be noticed 16, 15 16 to get a gig when you're 18. But in cricket you're still quite fresh at 21. Yeah. So you can you can build build your resume up and performances up so that you know, maybe by the time you're 21, you're having a stellar grade season in Perth and, and then get noticed from that, you know.
0: So. And, and I think, you know, and I've said it for me, from, you know, it's not, my career is nothing compared to say what you've achieved, but from, from my journey, I actually felt I really started to mature in cricket when I was about 28 or 29 and it did come on the back of a season in England. Mm. Um, that, and my best years, funnily enough, were between 30 and 40 and we're seeing that now. Mitch Marsh and what he's doing in the Ashes, I, I think there's a lot of people saying his career could be about to blossom even mm. though you know he's had a re- not-too-shabby not career already. Mm. But at 31, I think he is, he can still play... Top level cricket for another seven or eight years. So I think one of the things that I try and encourage the kids that I've coached over the journey is don't try and get too far ahead of yourself too early. Yep. You know, if their opportunities come, well, grab them obviously. Yep. But don't assume that because you haven't been like you, you you experienced in in pathway programs even at seventeen or in nineteens mm. that that's it. You know yep. that it's all over. And and I guess putting that in a WA country cricket sense the 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 opportunities to play for the WA country 11 and the WA country Colts are they shouldn't be underestimated they're huge opportunities
1: well that's yeah that's what was exciting to me was that you know there'll there'll be a number of kids not necessarily kids there might be some guys that are a little bit more mature that still want to have a crack yeah um and you know scoring 5 600 runs at a country tournament Could be the thing that propels them to the next level, to A grade, to on to have a big season or and beyond. So, or or taking a lot of wickets or something like that. Someone could see that and go, oh, actually, you know. And it might not be WA; it might be I don't know. It might be Country Victoria that go, oh, there's actually this kid from from WA. Maybe we should bring him over and and get him in the squad, give him a rookie contract, or something, you
0: know. Great point.
1: But, um, yeah.
0: I, I've just had word come through recently that on the back of the, the, the Australian Country Cricket Championships last year and the female side of the Championships, uh, a young girl from Queensland has now just got a deal with the Brisbane Heat. That's right. And so... We we tend to underestimate that the opportunities in WA country cricket are and sorry Australian country cricket are are, are recognised and understood by like you say people who are looking for talent um, and and that's what I think is so exciting about the role that you're about to take on is that opportunity to to work with those sort of guys so we we uh, we've sort of got to the point where you mentioned. Suddenly, you were noticed. You had a ripping season. You were noticed, and my my read on it. And mate, you're uh, you one of the few that I know that's actually got a Wikipedia about yourself. You know, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's yeah. definitely definitely they'd have one of those, mate. Yeah. But um, 2005 was really the big season, was it? Four, five, or five uh, six or oh, there six oh, five yeah. six? Yeah. So did you do you remember? Did you get a tap on the shoulder from the state selectors, or how did that uh, all unfold? I think
1: it was, was it Tom Hogan? Tom was Hogan, slicker yeah. at the time. Yep. I think I might have, because I was working at the Whacker at the time as a cricket officer. Yeah. And I remember we had little dongers out the back of the, the members section there, and I remember uh, walking. I think it was in the afternoon. I was coming back from maybe a a school visit or something, and the phone rang. And yeah, he said, "Yeah, I was li- literally under underneath the Lily Mars stand." Oh yeah, you must be in the office just yeah. over there. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, got that call, and um, yeah, that was the start of it.
0: So the, the some second eleven games initially was there or not straight into straight the in, straight mate. into the because known as the Warriors back then. Yeah, not, not that name's not used a great deal anymore, no. but don't known as the Warriors back then. So the game against South Africa thrown straight, straight into the deep end.
1: Yeah, mate. Wow, straight into the deep end. Um, I can't remember any second 11 games but uh, before that, but, yeah, pretty much straight to the fire. Yeah. As I said, I'd, I'd kind of done the pre-season. I think that was it, I was around, you know, like going to training and so, you know, the, the rest of the squad had seen my face a couple of times and, yeah, I think uh, Justin Langer was captain of that game, I think.
0: Um, so one minute yeah. you're playing at Tompkins for Melbourne and the next minute you're on the whacker against South yeah. Africa and names like De Villiers and Rudolph and Asheville Prince yeah. who just quietly were your first three wickets from, from yeah. my reading. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. And then and then with the bat you had Mackay and Tini and Sean Pollock and, <laughs> yeah, facing these guys. So, yeah. <laughs> were you pitching yourself? Oh, to be honest with you, it it's such a surreal kind of thing going from, from that level. And then it's not even a state game. It's not a first class, go- it is a first class game, but it's not against another state. No. It's an international. Yeah. So um, just to see, I suppose, what goes into it. And I, I think I was pretty lucky playing at Melville because we had guys that were playing at that level anyway. Yeah, um, We had um, uh, Scotty Millman Adam Voges, Duncan Spencer, previous season we had Paul Wilson. Yeah, we had so many guys that were in and around that level in this, you know. So when I was going to training, you know, know, Vogesy was there, Milman was there. Um, These guys were already around the place. So um, I didn't feel 100% comfortable but probably more comfortable than someone would if you just plucked in full. Great cricket and went straight there.
0: So I'm guessing, um, yeah, uh, in teeny was quick to face on the wacko. I don't know if you faced him or not, but I'm just running with if you had Duncan Spencer and Paul Wilson volunteer in the nets at training. I'm, I'm guessing uh, I've talked to so many people who have said who rate Duncan Spencer the fastest bowler they've ever faced.
1: Um, oh, did, how was that? <laughs> uh, well, I tried not to face him in the nets uh, because anyone that knows Tompkins, there's a a big clubhouse with glass windows, tinted glass windows, and it's not much of a sight screen at yeah. 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. <laughs> um, but I did face him. We, we in a final, um, we actually bowled the side out and won the game. And so we thought we'd have a, a centre weekend. It probably wasn't a good idea to put my <laughs> hand up to bat, but I thought, oh, yeah, we'll go out there and have a bat. And, yeah, it was pretty quick. <laughs> like.
0: Yeah. It, it's amazing. I never saw – I remember him playing for WA on a few occasions, but I certainly didn't face him. But yeah. it, I, I've talked to different people who've played high-level, really high-level cricket, and whenever I ask them, who's the fastest bowler you've ever faced, they regularly say Duncan Spencer. So yeah. uh, they reckon he was absolutely lethal. So when you when you you, know, you took Shrefa in the game against South Africa – Made a few runs, I think, or got, uh, got, start, I got think. a start, start. yeah. Were you thinking, right, you know, happy days, bring it on, you know, it's going to gonna go from here, or were you still feeling as though you had to prove yourself more? Because it was an era in WA Country Cricket, yeah. uh, not WA Country Cricket, in WA Cricket where there was a lot of all-rounders at yeah, that time. So
1: there was a lot. Um, yep. You know, there's probably, I could run off, five all-rounders um, that I played with. Or we're in the squad. Um, to be honest, at that stage, I was just happy to be there, mate. Like, yeah. um, I think that's probably one of my um, uh, regrets is that for a long time you're just happy to be there. And you, like, as I said, like I didn't really, I wasn't in the pathway, so I wasn't kind of striving for that. Yep. Out from the get go, it was just I love cricket, I love playing cricket. I didn't want to keep making runs and 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 play the highest level I can. And so just by being there, that that was enough. And I think it doesn't show how many games with 12th man on, on Wikipedia, mate, but I probably <laughs> was 12th man for a, for a, for a, for a good few. Um, and that was, you know, mentally that was enough. I was there. I was in and around it. I was around these guys that you kind of... You kind of idolize, yeah, right, and um, and that was enough, like yeah. for me at that stage, um, until it finished, and then you're like, Actu- actually, I wouldn't mind playing some more, um, and I probably should have, um, focused more on, on that rather than just being happy to be there,
0: yeah, 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 so. Two thousand and five through to all about two thousand and seven, eight, you were in that mix and yeah. and um, certainly got a few few opportunities, couple of opportunities when you sort of didn't get the contract, from what I read, they basically didn't issue you with a contract in seven, eight or thereabouts. How how did how did that go? You know, were you obviously very disappointed?
1: Yeah, I think I was most disappointed because I'd just been At the centre of excellence that previous uh, winter. Yep. So it was like I had one year after being, I suppose, identified as as someone that could possibly go on to play even higher. Yep. Um, So that was kind of a steep fall, and it was yeah, it was really hard to take because of that fact. Like it wasn't, and there was yeah, obviously a bit of an injury concern with my knee as well, but it didn't feel like I'd been given yeah. an opportunity to kind of really prove that yes I could be a valuable valuable member of that side and it was just like, oh, okay, probably not. See you later.
0: Do you think looking back now there's some lessons that you learnt from that time that, you know, oh, for sure. you can help again with your coaching journey now? You know, it is a reality that there yeah. are is only eleven guys in a cricket team, and yeah. there's always going to be that one or two are on the peripheral all the time. And and that the, my read on that is that that was the case for you that you were kind of there and in and out. Yeah. And 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 that do you think there's some opportunity for you to pass on some of that knowledge to some cricketers so they can benefit from that?
1: Yeah, I think from um, probably from. As I said, I've watched a lot of cricket from from the field, from, from the sideline um, at first-class level. Yeah. Yeah, probably almost maybe 10 matches of 12th man. And you, and you get to see what goes into preparation and, and what goes into yep. um, people being able to switch on and off and, and back on. From a bowling side of point of view, you get to know what it takes to – to be a first-class bowler. So that kind of stuff, yes. In terms of coaching that, yeah, I can tell people. Mm. I can help them understand what it's going to take. But I think probably what, as a coach, I'm probably more trying to get guys to understand themselves first yeah, and yep. what works for them yeah, um, and then... Once they know that, they can apply it and recreate it and work on it harder, and and then and then move through. But if they don't kind of understand, okay, what kind of player am I? What do I do best? How how can I recreate this time and time again? It's hard. Um, it's hard to kind of relay those experiences because I always, always say cricket's one of those games where you have to experience it. To know how to do it,
0: yeah.
1: Like I can tell someone how to construct an innings and, and go out there and make a an, make a hundred, but really, unless they do it, they still don't know how to do it. No. But once you do it one time, yeah. And you kind of look back, you think, oh, okay, that's how I did it. All right, yep. Now I know how to go about the next innings and the next innings and and build on that.
0: So. The, the time with, with the Warriors came to an end, obviously. Where, where did you find yourself after that? Were you still playing at Melville for a while after that? Yeah, I've got your... Because um, I always reckon my cricket sort of kicked off around two six two seven. Yeah. So, you know, obviously the stats I've got here for you aren't your whole career because a mm. bit, bit like a lot of us, we're half of our careers missing. Well, in my <laughs> case, a lot more than half probably than what shows in my cricket but my career currently shows 169 matches, a higher score of 169, fair effort, uh, nearly 5,000 runs at over 30 and a best bowling of five for 29. Was that obviously incorporated Melville? What was the move after Melville? Was that the move to, to Bunbury and playing with Marist or was some cricket in between somewhere?
1: Um, no, there was no cricket. So no cricket in Sweden. So it was basically after... Being delisted, I think I stayed another year at Melville and then left at the beginning of the, the season after that. So it was 2009. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I came back to Australia, moved to Bunbury, um, yeah, it was Marist. So, so what, what
0: uh, drew you to country cricket and Marist? Was it just because you were moving to Bunbury and, and in a
1: job? Yeah. So I was living in Bunbury yeah. uh, and probably for the first couple of years I didn't, Pick up a cricket bat, and then yeah, circumstances changed where I was like, okay, well, I actually want to yeah do something that I'm passionate about, and Marist was the closest club to my house at the (laughs) okay. Um, and it didn't—it actually didn't dawn on me until after uh, that it's the same initials, basically the same club colours as Melbourne. Yeah, Um, yeah, but yeah, so. Matt Arrowsmith was happy to have me. I think um, I sent him an email <laughs> and then I wasn't expecting to get a reply for a while. Like 20 minutes later, I got a call and I was like, yeah, we'll have a beer and we'll catch up and um, we'll have a chat about it. So
0: Yeah, and and the journey and, and obviously a uh, bit of a highlight just this last season, winning winning a premiership in the BDCA, you know, how have you found playing at country level, you know, um, having come from playing first grade in Perth, and for the Warriors, you find the standard down here pretty good in, in Bunbury.
1: Yeah, I think there's teams that, that are, are very strong and players that you like to play against. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that the beauty of it is that we've got some really talented young players yeah. that can play with some very talented, experienced older players, and you probably don't get that in, in Perth. You, you yep. And I think it's something unique to country cricket because some of the players, like I mentioned, I was at the Centre of Excellence. Those guys were playing in – they were still juniors playing against men, the guys from the country that were there. Someone like Phil Hughes, for example, you know, he was playing against men from an early age and it really – Looking back on my career, that that competitiveness wasn't there. It was it was a joy of cricket, but it wasn't a competitiveness. But the kids from the country are ultra competitive. Yeah, um, and that's why you know CDP kids that are playing they often do really well when they're in the same team against any Perth side. Yeah, um, the country teams, the under fifteen talent. ID teams come from the country do really well against the Perth sides. Um, and it's not always because they're the most skillful, but they are very competitive.
0: And, and you know, I've called this out before with a few other guests. I, I, my view is that right now we've got some of the the best sort of 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds in the yeah. country, in country WA, that we've had for quite a while. There's some amazing talent there and then, you know, you extend that out, we obviously claim Teague Wiley as one of ours yeah. from Mandra, you know, so um, um, Corey Wozley is another yeah. one that uh, has played some country cricket as well. So we've got a lot of amazing depth in cricket right now and that's why I think it is a really exciting time to be the coach of the WA Country 11 without putting too many words in your mouth. I think there's some, as you called it out earlier, um, you know, we've got a really, really strong team and have done for quite a while, the men's team. Won some silverware along the way. Um, And even last year, you know, so, so close to taking it out as well. Um, But like any team, there's uh, the, the new emergence of some players and I think it's a really, really exciting time. There's one other thing that I did miss... And that is, you did actually play for Australia. I missed this bit in the Hong Kong Sixes, so I correct. read about yeah. this. So tell us about that. And you played with um, uh, Socks, Stevie O'Keefe, from yep. what I've read, and yep. um, uh, some other names, uh, Alex uh, Doolan and Nathan Reardon. Yep. And and the other bit I noted was that you actually were in the same pool as a Invitational Eleven that
1: included Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath. So yeah. tell us a
0: little bit about that one.
1: Um, so, yeah, this was, uh, yeah, Hong Kong Sixes w- was was amazing um, just to go there and, and they had, as you said, the, that invitational side. and I think it was Brian Lara and um, <laughs> got to meet him, which, you know, yeah. an idol. Um, wow. Glenn McGrath, Shane Warne, they're all there playing in this um, invitational side. Um, again, it's just one of those things where, you know, it's six a side, it's a small field, but... You know, you get invited to play to something like this and you think, oh, okay, there's oh, this, this a possibility, you know, of going on and doing, doing other things. Didn't do too well in that um, tournament, but, yeah, I think probably my time at the um, Centre of Excellence was probably one of the best uh, cricket experiences. Yeah. Just because it's 100% cricket, yeah. um, really... Uh, high performance um, mentality where you can get to work on your craft, and the guys that were there with me and the guys that were coaching it were just phenomenal cricket players. So yeah, there were some yeah some good names there, but uh, yeah, amazing experience. So. Clearly
0: we wanna sort of get to understand the, the coach of WA Country, the WA Country 11 a bit more and we're hopefully doing that for, for those tuning into this episode. But I know you've got a few other passions outside of cricket in sport. You're into golf and this one's gonna go down really well with uh, with my son, Justin. <laughs> you're right into Formula One as well.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: so yeah. you're on Lewis, I'm hoping, or who, who oh, are you on, or it, Daniel yeah, Ricardo I, back on, in the seat now? Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't mind a
1: bit of Lewis. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Mercs have dropped off this year, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I've, I just love the sport. It's, you know, we all look at the drivers and go, oh, yeah, it's the drivers. Yeah, they're so great. They're, but, you know, the more you dive into it, you know, there's so many other people. It's a it's a real team atmosphere where one guy gets to take most of the credit. Yeah. But to for him to be able to do what he does best, the team needs to be doing what they need, they're doing best, the engineers and... The, you know, the pit crews and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just to see Red Bull the way they go about it, it it's really amazing because you've got this guy who's in the driver's seat who's just phenomenally good at what he does. But then you've got the best car designer as well. Um, you've got some of the best engineers that they've poached from other sides. Um, just They've got the best pit crew, two-second um, pit stops every time. Yeah it's just a well-oiled machine. and just works really, really well. Um, and, you know, where the other teams have have gotten themselves is because they're not as focused as Red Bull on those small details. Like, yeah. no one else does a pit stop in two, two seconds. It's
0: incredible, isn't it? I must admit, I never thought it would happen, but I'm hooked. I became yeah. hooked during the pandemic, yeah. you know, when they're... We were sort of looking for things to watch and, uh, yeah, don't miss a Grand Prix now. And obviously, you know, on the Danny Rick bandwagon, now he's back yep. in the seat, albeit at AlphaTauri, yeah. you know, he's, uh, he's he's still sniffing around with Red Bull, so you never know what might happen there. And golf's obviously a, a bit of a passion for you as
1: well that you've yeah, mentioned. Yeah, took up golf and, um, yeah, got bitten by the bug. And, um, <laughs> yeah, just, re- I suppose, quite, I think what I like about golf is that, at the end of the day, I'm not playing against anyone. I'm playing against myself. Yeah. Um. And it's that, I suppose, that intrinsic motivation to want to get better. No one else. There's no one else to rely on. Um. If I hit my ball in the bunker, I've got to get myself out, kind of thing. And and I, that's what I like about golf. Yeah. Um. It's it's, you know, you watch golf on the TV and you think, well, you know, even even the best stink it up on the golf course occasionally. <laughs> you know, okay, that makes you feel a little, a little bit better. better. Yeah. Um, but they still have that intrinsic will to kind of yeah. get better. Yeah, and, and what's different to cricket is you don't have to rely on anyone else. You know, if I'm fielding at slip, I have to rely on the bowl to give me a chance to get in the game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah,
0: so... We, uh, I, I could go on for hours with you, mate, that I'm <laughs> loving every second of this and I hope those listening in are enjoying this because I'm pretty certain they will do, but uh, unfortunately things do come to an end. We yep. can't uh, go on forever. We might uh, lose that audience <laughs> that I'm talking about now. A couple of things, though, before we do start to wrap up. One of the things I did sort of ask you before we, um, we got together today was to give me some of the influences that have played a, a massive impact on your life. And I must admit, I was absolutely thrilled that you listed um, pretty much your number one inspirations and influences at your own kids. Tell tell us about your your kids. Um,
1: So, yeah, yeah, my son's 15, um, daughter 11 at the moment. Um, I think they both came along at times when I needed that distraction. So... um, so, yeah, very thankful for them being around. What's um, your son's name? Uh, son, Noah. Noah and your daughter? Uh, Vera.
0: Vera, right, beautiful.
1: Um, so, yeah, and, you know, they they both have, actually both have different forms of epilepsy, but none, none of the violent um, um, seizures, thankfully, but varying types. And just the way I think my son kind of goes about his, they're not very sporty, but they love sport, yeah. but they're not competitive. Yeah. Um, but just their resilience through their, their lives I think yeah. is, has been um, an inspiration. And, and they always come back and tell you, you know, well, not my son now, he's too old, but my daughter, you know, tells me, you hang up the phone, tells love you, Dad, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing. Just, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mate, uh, as a dad, there is nothing, no sweeter words, is there? I'm sure yeah. it's the same as for a mum as well, yeah. but uh, certainly for a dad, um, you're just the joy of your own kids yeah. and to hear
1: their appreciation yeah. for you is no, un- knows no bounds. The uns- unsolicited hugs yeah. is uh, is a big one as well. Like when you get, you get one of those, it's
0: like yeah, you're good for two weeks or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> energizing stuff. Talking about uh, others in your life, I'm gonna. F- Sort of wrap up this, um, this particular episode with you. And like I say, when, and I'm pretty keen, I'm sure we'll have you back certainly in your role as coach at different times as we put a focus on the country 11 men's programs over the, the next year or so. And obviously big tournament coming up next year in New South Wales. Um, it's been a, it's been a bit of a journey, the Australian country cricket championships with some challenges that, um, that certainly, uh, uh, I've had to become, uh, sadly, uh, very entrenched in to, 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 one, just save the championships, to be honest with you. It's been a, been a bit of a journey, but we're, we're there. I'm really looking forward to, to, um, to, to heading o- over to New South Wales in early January next year. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to introduce a new segment to, to the podcast. I'm, I've called it uh, Asking for a Friend Okay, so I've put yep. it out there into the cricket community and we've got some responses from some people who I've said, look, you know, I've got Sean Gillies coming on the on the podcast. Have you got some questions or some uh, things that you want to put to them? So put it out there. Uh, I'll only give you three or four. I won't oh. give you too many, so I won't <laughs> throw you too much under the bus. But the first one's from uh, at... T Edmonds 1. Now, uh, for, those, <laughs> for those who are, are a bit tuned in with country cricket, you'll know that's the former coach of yeah. the WA Country 11. So at Tim, T Edmonds uh, 1, Tim Tim Edmonds, of course, he's, uh, he's put to me to ask you that touring with country cricketers can be a, a bit of a rare experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's asked... And before you answer, I'll I'll give a little bit of an example he's given me. His question is, what are the strangest habits or routines that you've seen from a player or players in cricket? But while you're thinking on that, because that is a tough one, he wanted to call out uh, one of my favourite cricketers, I'm unabashed with this, one of my favourite cricketers in WA Country Cricket, we had him on the podcast earlier this year in a segment when we were at the Australian Country Cricket Championships, Callum Howe from um, the West Pilbara, funkiest cricketer I've ever seen. Uh, you know, whenever I get the chance to watch our Country 11 in action, I'm not leaving until I've seen uh, Callum yeah. bat because he's just, he's just 100% full value. But uh, Tim's called out that Callum has been spotted, love this, on tour cooking bacon and eggs before a game, which is not unusual mm-hmm. except for the fact that he cooks it with Pepsi Max. So uh, I'm going with uh, that. That's yeah, out there. That's uh, an interesting one. Have you had any in your experience from flyers who uh, do a few few, few strange things? Not
1: that I can remember, to be honest. I don't, I, yeah, there, I don't think there's too many that uh, hard, stand hard out.
0: Hard to beat that one, I reckon. Yeah. Cooking, cooking bacon and eggs with Pepsi Max. I'm going to have to sort of uh, run with... if. Uh, on the assumption that Callum tours with you this year, you might yep. have to dig deeper into that one. Yeah. Um. Not quite sure about the uh, nutritional value extra, of that. Yeah, just quite. for flavour, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pass on that one yeah. then. I'll, you, you'll probably get to experience that uh, as, as you tour with some of these guys yep. over the next year or two. Uh, I've got a question here. This, this is quite a quite a serious one, and um, uh, this is from. Somewhat, I know you know at Matt Dodds. So yep. um, Matt's not afraid in uh, Matt Dodds is not afraid in asking the tough questions. He's asked. He, he's obviously been aware of your career and 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 has indicated that to me. He's asked the question: Did you feel significance being one of the first Jamaican-born men to represent WA in? pretty much a, a, a white-dominated team. And did you... And the second part of this question, did you ever experience any negativity or derisive comments as a kid or a junior playing cricket? Obviously, the scourge of, of racism is, is well highlighted today in these days in sport, and rightfully so. Did, how, how did you go with that journey?
1: Um, I was quite lucky. I think, um, you know, I noticed it more in society than sports. Yeah. You know, I've had incidents where I've seen, you know, when I was a young kid, you know, mum waiting in line and people kind of pushing in front or not noticing that she's there. Um, but, yeah, I, you don't know what you don't know. And, and as a kid, as I said, I was really happy just to be playing sport and um, so I never really felt that. I think you, you feel more like you're not in the inner circle, and that might not be... You don't know what reason that could be. Like, um, I'm not a punter, so, um, you know, you're not involved in that conversation. And, mate, I didn't fish, you know, when I was, you know, in that in the team, so you're not involved in that conversation. So, yeah. you know, you, you're probably not in the inner sanctum because you're not doing everything that those guys are doing. You're doing involved in other stuff. Yeah. Um, probably that more than... I don't know. I don't know whether it was a racist thing or not, but from from my side of the fence, it was yeah. I wasn't.
0: You know. It was more different circles that you yeah. didn't necessarily have that interest. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's interesting. But uh, thanks to, to Matt for that question, because Dodsy, because uh, I think that is one of the things that sadly is is. Uh, not sadly, is rightfully highlighted more these days. Mm. And I look back in in my era of playing and there were some kids that maybe were from uh, a different country, for example, who uh, I can clearly now see were excluded for all the wrong reasons.
1: One of the guys I played with, um, Dimitri Mascarenas at at Melville, he was an absolute gut. Yeah. And he, I think he only played second 11 for WA. Yeah. uh, Ended up playing for England. Yes. It's like, well... Hang on. What happened there? What happened there?
0: Like, yeah. we missed this kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, he was, yeah, absolutely gone. So we'll move on. We've got two more uh, before we wrap up. This one's from at uh, Slodzy. So uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going with the, uh, Hayden Sladecki, I'm guessing. Um, and we might have already dealt with this one, but uh, he's asked who is the most famous
1: player that you ever got out? Um, he's probably, oh yeah, probably obviously, uh, um, what's his face? I I'm, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going with De yeah. But <laughs> I, I would say that was a, I didn't get him out, he got himself out. The f- most famous player I probably got out was Graham Smith. Okay. another yeah, We played yeah. him in a, in a, I think it was a warm-up game when they came over. Yeah. And I actually got him out. Yeah. Um, probably the most famous Australian that I actually got out. Was Darren Lehman right uh, again in a practice game? So no one yep. got to see these games, but yeah, um, a well devised plan. And I think it was Sean Marsh took an absolute screamer in the gully, but it was yeah, well devised plan and
0: got him out. So, well, you wouldn't, yeah. you might not know this, but um, Darren Lehman actually played in Bunbury. Okay, uh, yep. back in the day, Glen Deering uh, used to organise regularly a Warriors team to come down and yep. play against an Invitational Southwest team, which yep. I was fortunate to. To play in a couple of times, and uh, we used to. Glenn used to be able to manage through his uh, connections to get a, a well known yeah. international or test cricketer to, to play, and we had various ones. And yeah, one year, Glenn, um, Lehman came down and played, and that was uh, he, he certainly was an exceptional cricketer. I think he's the first one I ever saw, you know, live um, batting so deep in the crease. You know, we'd always been taught to bat, you know, yeah. across the line or even outside the crease. But he came out to bat in that match and I'm going, what is he doing? I'd never seen anybody bat so deep in a crease before. He,
1: he yeah. um, we played him in a one day uh, at uh, Adelaide Oval and tried to do the same plan. Yep. He nicked it and, and it beat the keeper. We didn't have any slits, Nick beat the keeper and went for four. And and then he, he absolutely carded me after that. But he... He's so difficult to bowl to because he was moving on the crease, not just back and forward, but laterally across yeah. the crease as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, very hard to bowl to.
0: The so last question. Last question. I'm really interested in this one. This is from at Roza underscore 96 and also came from at Ben Clark as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. And at Slodzy also threw in the same question. Okay. So all three yeah. of them on the same uh, bandwagon with this one. They want to know what is the origin and story behind black, white, left, right. I don't uh,
1: all I, I'm right. I'm not so, across this
0: one, so I'm totally blindsided. So black, white,
1: left, right started um, back at Melville. I think it was probably my second year of A grade. And um, and young, I was back like six the year before. Um, Paul Terry thought, you know what? Let's, it needs to tighten up a bit. We'll throw him, throw him in, and we'll open up, open up, open up the batting. And my batting partner, opening partner, was Scott Millman So he was white, right, and I was black, left. So yeah, we used to go out black, left, left, uh, black, white, left, right, opening the batting. Um, and that, yeah, that's where that originated from. Yeah. So, not not too many. Good opening partnerships from that, but a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: and um, and obviously Scott Muellerman is still somebody you connect with occasionally, is he? Or uh, uh,
1: no, not really. You, but no? okay. if, I'm up, if I'm up in Perth and
0: At um, yeah, yeah, I'm,
1: yeah, I went into Millman's. Yeah, so connect with them when I go into the shop and have a have a yarn.
0: Yeah, yeah, mate, it's been an absolute honour and a privilege to have you on the on the podcast. From my perspective, obviously, um, in the role as chair of WA Country Cricket, we're absolutely thrilled that you've um, taken on the role. Um, you know, really want to call out Tim Edmonds here and the and the role he has played as the as the coach over about the last five or six years. It's well documented. Tim did things with that team and took. A team that was really struggling at one point in mm-hmm. the sort of around 2015, 16, and and took us to the the highest level at, at um in, in winning. So some big shoes there, as I called out at the start. Mm-hmm. But we we couldn't be more thrilled that you've accepted the role. Really looking forward to it. I'm sure the guys that are in been in the squad over the last few years are really keen to. You know, roll out some warmer and better weather than what we're getting at the yeah. moment, and get some some bat on ball and and get out there with you in the role as coach. Um, great support around you too, um, with some some exceptional people that will be working alongside you, no doubt. So, mate, we just want to obviously thank you for taking on the role first, but wish. You well in that role, and uh, I'm sure you won't be a stranger to out on the paddock uh, as uh, as we 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 unpack that a bit more in in the summer ahead.
1: Yeah, thank, I just want to also thank WA Cricket for the opportunity um, and um, all the support I've had from from various people that yeah were wanting me to to be involved. So yeah, it's it's an honour to it's an honour any time you get to put on the black and gold, mate. But um, yeah, especially as a coach, it's yeah. A new one, but a great
0: one. Looking forward to it. Sean Gillies, thanks for joining us today. Congratulations to you, Sean. Firstly, on accepting the role of coach of the WA Country 11 and the program that lays ahead. But, mate, simply for sharing with us today, also in this episode. You've got a fabulous story of where you find yourself right now in WA Country Cricket, and we celebrate that. And again, thanks. We also look forward to what's ahead and what, no doubt, your deep experiences in the game will bring to the players playing under your guidance through the journey to come. A huge thank you also and kudos to the outgoing Country 11 coach, Tim Edmonds. Tim, your efforts and your results for WA Country Cricket will go down as legendary. And you leave WA Country 11 and the men's team in such an amazing space right now and your legacy will live long of that, I am certain. Can we also recognise that WA Country Cricket has a brand new coach of the WA Country 11 female team? Chris Secker takes over from long-time coach Onjel Gray, who we want to just give honour and acknowledgement to as well. And thank you, Onjel for what you have done and have achieved for the Country 11 female program. Chris brings a vast wealth of knowledge and experience to the role, which he has acquired over many years through his work in the country female domain. We are also extremely pleased to announce that former Australian golfing superstar and, just quietly, former guest on Out on the Paddock, Shaney War, will be joining Chris as his assistant coach of the WA Country 11 female team. If you haven't had a listen to episode 12 of Out on the Paddock and heard the amazing story of Shaney War, we really encourage you to go back and take a listen. What an episode this one has been. Thank you for tuning in as always, and we look forward to you doing again very soon on our next episode. And long live WA Country Cricket.